0: Who doesn't love a great victory? That's why we're here this morning because something in these stories calls out to us. I don't know about you, but something in me, when I see some of my favorite scenes from those favorite films, something rises up in me and I want to stand up and cheer and know that you can do that here. That's okay, that's allowed. But something stirs in your heart a little bit and starts your heart pounding because we love those stories because we long to be a part of a victory. And this morning, we have one in Jesus Christ, who has won an overwhelming victory for you and for me over sin and death and the power of hell in this world. And any evil, anything that this world can throw against us has no power anymore. Amen? The greatest victory of all. Just to see if you have it. He is risen? He is risen. All right, gotcha. That's something that the Christians for thousands of years have called out to each other, not as just some sort of religious tradition, because... It's real. It points to this victory we have in Jesus today, the greatest victory of all time, unarguably the greatest event in human history. Whether you believe it or not, whether you you mentally have have got there and and you believe that this man named Jesus rose from the dead today, whether you would call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, it is hard to argue with the fact that this was the greatest event, the life-changing event in human history. Whether you're a little hesitant about it today, Maybe you're a little skeptical about the whole thing. That's okay. We are a skeptic-friendly church, and your questions and your doubts are welcomed here, even if you're not all the way on board with it. On the other hand, some of you aren't skeptics. You're just, well, you're what we'd call creasters. You're Christmas and Easter only, people. Uh, as We affectionately call you sometimes woomers and tumors, and we are really glad that you're here for the tumor section of your double dip in worship uh, every year. And I'm not shaming you. We are so glad that you're here. In fact, let me say this. We're honored that you're here. We're honored that you would choose to come here on this day and worship with us because God has the ability to change our lives. Even if it's just one time a year, God has the ability to speak into that. No matter what brought you here, I want to welcome you here today to a victory celebration. The greatest victory of all time, that because Jesus came running out of that grave, as we sang this morning, that death doesn't win, sin doesn't win, the power of hell does not win, anything thrown against us does not win. Jesus wins a great victory for us. It's this truth that we sung about over and over this morning as our worship team. Most of them uh, volunteers, talented artists from this community. Can we give God praise for them this morning and leading us into God's worship? Not only that, as we worship through uh, music, but Sarah Burrier, one of our local artists here at Hope Des Moines, uh, is painting live for us uh, this morning. Whatever God has laid on her heart today, as that piece comes together, feel free to keep an eye on that as that goes along as well. So back to the story. Back to the story at hand. I love how the Apostle Paul, writing just after Jesus has come back from the dead, writing letters to these early churches that are popping up. As followers of Jesus, I love how he summarizes this day. And let's read it together on the screen with your 11 o'clock service, wide awake, lots of gusto and excitement in your Easter voice. Let's read it together. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Of first importance, Paul writes, not second or third or when you get around to it or once or twice a year or on a holiday of first importance. Of first importance. Even if you're apathetic to it, even if you're indifferent to it today, not just because I'm a pastor and it's my job, I'm saying it's first importance. Of first importance. If I had one message to tell you, if you forgot everything else that I said today, I want you to hear this. Paul is writing this, this scripture, knowing that he has a few months, maybe a year to live, and he's saying, if, if I don't have a lot of time left, so I'm going to get right to the point. This is my heart for you today. The message of Christianity, the message of the Bible, is very simple. There is a God who loves you this morning more than you will ever know. And that love is more powerful than anything that you'll ever be able to experience. And that love has the potential to change your life, to set things straight for you, to get you centered about what life is really all about, if you'll let it in. Not just stay on the surface today of what you think Easter is about, but to let that love all the way in, to let his victory for you all the way in, to live into that. And if you'll open up your heart, not just your mind this morning, not just being here physically, but being fully present here, if you'll slow down, And look past the surface of the Easter bunnies and the Easter eggs and all the other things. Look a little bit deeper, and if you'll open up your heart, you might come to experience that same powerful love, that same powerful victory that Mary experienced at the tomb on that first Easter. So let's hop into the story together. A lot of you bring your Bibles every week. That's great. Go ahead and open them up to John chapter 20. That's where we're going to be. If your phone or your tablet or whatever you have, I always say if you're going to tweet... Tweet about the sermon. That's all I ask. So if you need a Bible today, that is our gift to you. All around the worship center, before you leave today, grab one, grab three, grab 17, and give them to your friends. That's our gift to you. We give away dozens of them every week. It's the best thing that we could give away. So John chapter 20, starting right away at the beginning. We arrive on the scene, and we read early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So time out. Let's stop there for a second. Before we can get here in that part of the story, we've got to go back to where we were. The last time that we saw Jesus, the last time that his followers saw him, you have to understand why this is crazy. The last time that we saw Jesus, he was hanging dead, lifeless, beaten, tortured, crucified, executed on a Roman instrument of torture. What a lot of you have hanging around your necks this morning. A cross meant to kill is our victory. Jesus flips it upside down, but they don't know that yet. All they know is the last time they saw Jesus, he was dead, quickly followed by a burial in a garden tomb with a couple ton stone boulder rolled in front of it that nobody could move, and a legion of Roman soldiers in front of that, which in those days is impenetrable. Game over. There is no victory. How could it get any worse than this? Do you remember those stories that you love? Those clips that you've seen? What makes a good story? Any good story receives its power from the magnitude of what had to be overcome to achieve the victory. And all those stories point to the story, the story that we're living in today. It's why we love those moments and those stories because you know the rest of the film that leads up to that moment. It's why we love those stories. It's why I'm guessing there's some of you here this morning, quite a few of you, that are sports fans as well and love to follow along your sports team, whatever that may be. Just a show of hands. Don't be Lutheran for a second. Just wave them and go, woo! And if you love any kind of sports, just let me know. A few of them? Okay, good. I was worried there for a second. Okay, gotcha. Speaking of victory, what an incredible year of sports! that it has been this year. I don't know if you follow these or not, but kind of in the the four major sports, the big sporting events, go back to last year's Final Four. Villanova wins it at the last second in the Final Four, the championship game on a final shot and the crowd goes crazy. In the upper right, the NBA Finals goes to game seven and LeBron and the the Cavs come back against the Warriors, the defending champions. They were down 3-1. They come all the way back and win in the final game seven. Down here to the left, whether you're what you think of Patriots and Tom Brady, That was an incredible Super Bowl, right? That was a cliffhanger. They come all the way back. The footballs were fully inflated, we think, and they won the Super Bowl. It was awesome. And then last but not least, in the bottom right, I mean, do I even need to say it? Are there any Cubs fans in the house today? Oh my word. Oh my word. It's just incredible, incredible, incredible. Now, here's the thing. Just raise your hand if you're a Cubs fan. Just one more time, raise your hand. Now, keep it up if you were a Cubs fan 10 years ago. Don't lie, you're in church, right? I just wanna know how many bandwagon fans we have today, all right? I've been a Cubs fan my whole life, right? How exciting is this? Since we're in the victory mood and the victory spirit today, I thought what better day than Easter to just go back to that wonderful night in Cleveland and just remember the victory one more time. Let's take a look. (sighs) If that's not a picture of heaven, folks, I don't know what is, right? It's just a a glimpse of that, and here's the thing, overcoming 108 years without a championship by defeating the evil, conniving Cleveland Indians from the depths of hell that had the power, maybe that's a little much, but still defeating them, you think that's a great victory, folks. Nothing, not even that compares to the victory that Jesus Christ has won for you today by feeding, defeating the power of sin and death. That is just a taster, just a glimpse of what's possible. And some of you, I know, that are Cubs fans, it took every ounce of you to go, I'm a Cubs fan, they're winning the championship, I'm in church, I'm Lutheran, should I cheer or not? Should I? You can do whatever you want, okay? It's the 11 o'clock service, it, it, it all goes out the window, all right? You can clap and cheer whenever you want to. In thrilling victory, they win. And dare I say Jesus set the bar pretty high on that first Sunday morning. So back to the story, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. You got to remember that t- she's going to a grave where nothing happens what could possibly happen in a gravesite on a sunday morning nothing and she's going there and she's thinking now did was it robbed did thieves come and take uh, to add insult to injury right of everything that they've been through i don't know where they've put him and at this she turned around and she saw jesus standing there get this but she did not realize that it was him how funny is that, right? He asked her, woman, why are you crying? And then he says, who are you looking for? Now, get the, sometimes you have to read the Gospels with a bit of humor, okay? Thinking he was the gardener, okay? What is Jesus, on undercover boss all of a sudden? Like, is he, is he dressed up or something? She thought he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. And then Jesus says... It's me. Put yourself there in that moment for a second. Jesus has literally just gone to hell and back for you. And the first thing he does after defeating sin and death is say your name. He knows you by name this morning. He knows you better than you know yourself, better than anybody else. And he's calling your name this morning just as he's calling out to Mary. And he's asking you the same question. Who are you looking for this Easter? Or as I'd like to say it, what are you looking for this morning? Because if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, the danger is we'll come here with the same low expectations that they came with that first morning. The women went to the tomb that morning not expecting much, actually expecting nothing. Their expectations were at the bottom of the floor. They came expecting death. And dead people can't do anything. They're dead. Their expectations were so low. Just Go do your thing, go through the motions, and if we're not careful, some of you are going to approach the Easter the same way. Whether this is your 50th Easter, you've been coming your whole life, or this is your first. You come with these expectations of like, ah, we'll get some good ideas, maybe see some inspirational uh, videos and hear some music and hear a little message, and then I'll go home and keep on going with my life as if nothing ever happened. On the other hand, I don't know your story, but for some of you, Your church experience has been, all I know about church and Christianity is that it's boring and it's irrelevant. And it has nothing to do with the rest of my life and what's truly important. And if that has been your experience with the church, I just want to say this morning, I am so sorry. It never should have been that way. But I am also really excited to share with you this morning that the good news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has come back, and because of that, because Jesus is alive, it is a shame to bore people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the greatest news in the world. Do not forget that. Jesus is alive, and he is the victor. That should get your attention. Put it all aside. Whether, whether you believe in Jesus and the resurrection happened, whether you come to church once a year or every single week, whatever you think about this, There was a man named Jesus that 2,000 years ago predicted his own death, three years before it happened, predicts his own death, and that three days later he would come back from the dead, and then he did it. I don't know about you. I'm going to listen to that guy. I'm going to follow that guy. Whether you believe it or not, that should be enough to get your attention this morning and go, whoa. I need to lean into this a little bit because I think Easter is about a little bit more than showing up at church. I think there's something way bigger going on here and I don't want to miss it because the danger is you could miss it this morning. You could go back and just say, well, that was a great service, but I'm going to move on with my life. And folks, it's often the most important things in our lives that mean the most that are right in front of us that we miss that we take for granted all the time, whether that be a victorious savior standing in front of us this morning or the people around us that we love the most. A few weeks ago, somebody sent me this next clip, and I think it's a commercial. I don't really know what it's for, but commercials just get to me. I became a dad and I'm just a poor sap and I just cry all the time. This one made me giggle a little bit and it got me thinking. As you watch this, think about, are you taking for granted the things and the people that are right in front of you. Let's take a look. These people that make these commercials, they know something about us, don't they? It's a little dusty in here, isn't it? We often miss the things that are right in front of us. A couple months ago, my wife Tiffany and I, that was the lovely lady singing up here in front of you, uh, she, uh, She had this idea that we should go to Omaha and take our two young kids to the zoo, and we had a blast. And we were driving back kind of late at night, and they were sleeping in the back, and they were conked out and sleeping and drooling out the side of their mouth, and they were just out, and I look back, and there's not another car on the road. We're out there all alone, and it's just the four of us driving home. And in that moment, you know you have those moments in your life when you... uh, when you slow down a little bit, and maybe it's when all the noise and the clutter of your life in the day, and you put your head on your pillow at night, and you just kind of hear that still, small voice calling out to you. Some people would say, oh, that's weird and spooky. Other people would say, that's God. And it's like in that moment, I just heard God say, John, don't miss it. Don't miss it. And then I don't know where these words came from, but this phrase just popped into my head, and so I turned to my bride, and I looked at her with two beautiful kids in the back. And I said, honey, these are the days. These are the days. These are the days of our lives. Not someday in the future when the kids are better behaved or when our marriage is perfect or when the house is in order or the mortgage is paid off or when we're retired. These are the days right now. And I don't want to miss it. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 today. This is the day. It's Easter. Today is the day of your salvation, Jesus says. Don't miss it. You're going to miss out On so much, and if we're not careful, we'll go through our entire lives and we'll get to the end of our lives and we'll be at retirement or past retirement, and all of a sudden the kids are gone and the job's gone, and you're gonna look back at how busy you were and all the things that you spent your time on, and you're gonna look back, and the danger is you'll say, I missed it. I missed it because I was so, so consumed with everything else, all the other things that I thought were so important. I thought I was winning. But I wasn't. Now, I'm not a big social media guy, but some of you like to use the Facebook and the, the Twitter and you tweet your Twitter and all that, and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that the Twitters tweet, say that five times fast, is that they put this hashtag thing out there and they say, hashtag winning. Everybody say winning. Winning, you can win a lot of different things. When they do something, make an accomplishment or do some things, they'll put hashtag winning. So like, hey, I woke up this morning and I made myself a waffle. Here's a picture of it for the world to see. I'm winning, hashtag winning. I got my cat down from a tree, right? I went out to Fazoli's, hashtag winning at life, right? I went to church, hashtag winning, whatever it is, right? Here's my question for you this morning. How do you know if you're winning at life? How do you know if you're winning at the things that really matter? As you sit here in your current circumstances your life, can you say without a doubt, I'm living for things that matter? That my life is going to live on beyond, that my legacy is going to be more than just me dying at the end of my life and that's it. How do you know if you're winning? If we're not careful, we'll look back and say, I missed it. Those were almost the exact same words verbatim of a friend of mine named Gary, and him and his wife, Angie, and their three wonderful kids are a part of our Hope community. And those were almost his exact words as he was reflecting back on his life. Gary was a strong, confident, highly successful Middle-aged man, kind of in his mid-60s, getting close to retirement. And uh, he had a lucrative business, his family business that he inherited, and and, uh, a vacation home and all the money you could want in the world. He had climbed the ladder at work. He had a beautiful wife, three amazing kids who had excelled at sports and, and academics and had gotten scholarships. And on the outside, you could say he was totally winning. He was crushing it when it came to life. Until a couple years ago that Gary went in for an ordinary checkup, as us guys do, and all of a sudden they found this really serious progressive form of bone cancer that had already progressed, and they said, maybe a year, probably months. And it rocked his world. Because all of a sudden, all that mattered (laughs) was right in front of him, because death was staring him in the face. And he writes, I realized at that moment, at 64, I'd missed it. Not because all the things that I'd pursued in this life were bad, because along the way I got distracted and I missed the one thing that matters the most. And I started to get really reflective, he said, and I started to think about what is my legacy going to be? That I work 65 hours a week? that I was really successful, that I climbed the ladder, that I had these titles and positions. What am I leaving to my family? What are they going to remember me for? And I realized in that moment, the greatest gift that I could give my kids is a faith that will last. That then when they think of their dad... They won't think of me in a grave. They'll think of the faith and the love of Jesus Christ that has been passed down from generation to generation. The greatest gift that you could give yourself and give your family today is to get crystal clear about what the win is in life. in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, I got really clear on that. And, and what I did is I went back to my childhood. And in his words, not mine, I recovered my first love which was my relationship with Jesus that I had growing up as a little boy, and somewhere along the line, I got distracted. And he said, it's made all the difference in my final days. He said, I would trade all the success, all the money, all the titles, all the positions. He said, if I could have anything back, I, said, I wouldn't put so much pressure on my kids to be perfect in everything, to be great in everything, because I was living through them and thinking that that was the win in life. When it all, it was... Staring me in the face the entire time, Jesus had never left. He had been there my entire life. He clarified the win. And the quote from Gary's writings and reflections that has stuck with me, that I've used over and over again, he said, It seems like our greatest fear in life should not be a failure, but our greatest fear in life should be at succeeding in things that don't really matter, in things that won't last. This is why Easter matters, because it clarifies the wind for us about what real life is all about, and what the cross and the empty grave bring to us is they bring that. They clarify that because the cross and the grave are the only places where dead people can come to life, and that's what Paul talks about in another letter that he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 2. This is the doom and gloom part of the Easter sermon by the pastor, just so you know, all right? As for you, he said, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead. I was, we were all dead in our transgressions, spiritually dead, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Don't miss the fact today that because we have this good news, we have to have some bad news. And the bad news is this. Of the bad news wrapped in the gospel is not that sin makes you a bad person. The bad news is that sin makes us dead spiritually. We're literally walking dead as we sang this morning in that last song. I was breathing, but I wasn't alive. And one of the things I love about Easter is that we have countless stories of people that said, I thought I was alive. And then Jesus called my name it's like on Easter, he came up to me and it's like he tapped me on the shoulder and put his hand on my shoulder. and Just like Mary, called my name. Maybe he wants to do that for you today. Get closer than you could ever imagine and have Easter be way more about what you thought it could be. Don't miss. Don't sleepwalk your way through life winning at things that won't last like Gary would say that he did. Remember when I said it's a shame to bore people with the gospel? That's because we have really, really good news. And the good news is this. Three verses later, Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verse 4, he says, Because of his great love for us. Because of his great love for us. Let's keep reading it together. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. I am so excited and thrilled to tell you this morning that the message of the gospel is not that Jesus went to hell and back, defeating the power of sin and death to make bad people good, nice, moral, churchy people. The message of the gospel is that Jesus has defeated sin and death to make dead people come to life. And nobody else can say that except Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You can clap, absolutely. You can clap, absolutely. (laughs) Nobody else can say that. And thank God that we have that victory because at some point in our lives, every single one of us needs to stare into that grave and come face-to-face with the reality of death. And no one knows that better than Gary, whose story, everything that I just shared, everything that he wrote, I never heard from him. But it was read by his wife, Angela, at his funeral that I led last fall. And I have to stand up in front of a crowd of people and make sense of why these three awesome kids just lost their dad and how he's not going to get to watch their grandkids grow up and how this makes sense in our world. Don't get me wrong, because of Gary's faith in Jesus Christ, it was a celebration of life service, but his kids were hurting. His oldest son, Tony, a young man around my age in his 30s that was young and bright and successful and strong, this independent man, was just weeping in the front row. And I'm guessing his two little girls had never seen Daddy cry before. And at the end of the service, he said, John, I believe it, but it's so hard. I miss my dad so much because he was the strongest man in my life. And I don't know what I'm going to do because he was my rock. And I said, Tony, you may have lost your dad, but because your dad slowed down and took the time to clarify what was most important about life, you will never be alone. And I looked him in the eyes, the same age as me. No 34-year-old guy should have to lose their dad. And I said, Tony, Jesus did not take your dad. Death took him. And Jesus takes death because he is the resurrection and the life. The one who stares into that grave this morning, and as we sang, where, O death, is your sting? He is the resurrection and the life. There is no power greater than that. You're not going to find that anywhere else, not in a book, not in an inspirational movie or a devotional or something you're going to pick up in the magazine aisle. You're not going to find that anywhere else, no matter how strong you are, how confident you are this morning, what your title is, what your position is, how religious you are, how confident you are in yourself. There's two things in this life that we'll never be able to defeat, and that's sin and death, and Jesus has kicked them to the curb. Surprise. You were dead, and now you can be alive again. That's Gary's story. What's yours? How is your story going to end? I lived a pretty good life, did some cool things, had a good family, and now it's done. Is that how it's going to end, or is there going to be something greater than that? You can experience that victory, but I have a feeling that for some of you, if you're honest, where you're at this morning, you don't feel very victorious. Either life is mundane, or it's boring, or it's ho-hum, or you're just surviving. For some of you, you're having relationship struggles. Your marriage is on the rocks. You can't get your kids to do what you want them to do. You feel out of control. For some of you you have this ugly habit or this addiction that keeps rearing its ugly head that nobody else knows about but you know and the God that created you knows and you're thinking what if somebody found out I would be so busted. And here I am sitting in a church I feel like an imposter. I'm so messed up. Let me just share with you this morning you are in the right place because you're sitting around a bunch of people that are messed up. Can I just make that claim? Can we just be honest about that this morning? We are broken and perfect people that are messed up. And you don't have to wear the mask in church. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, you are messed up. Just tell him that right now. Just remind him of that. (laughs) Some of you that are married have been waiting your whole life for that moment. Pastor said so. I'm gonna remind you of that the rest of your life, right? We're messed up. If you're looking for a perfect church today, folks, this isn't it. If you're looking for any perfect church, you're not going to find it because in churches, there's people. If you're looking for the perfect church, this isn't it. The reason that hope is a great church is not because we're great, but because we have a great Savior. We've placed our faith in him because he is the victor. And that makes all the difference in the world. And so regardless of whether you're still indifferent to this whole thing, cute speech, pastor, but let's get on to real life. (laughs) whether you're apathetic to the whole thing and thinking, oh my word, he's getting down on the floor. What's coming now, right? I don't know, we'll see. Just felt like it. Felt like it was the right thing to do at the moment. Now I gotta figure out what to say. No matter what the circumstances of your life are, no matter what you're struggling with today, no matter what brought you here, Jesus invites you along for the ride of your life to cruise in victory with him now and forever. What do championship teams do after they win the championship? They have a victory parade. I was reading my Bible last week. You should too. It's amazing. And I found this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul writes, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as those who were captives, now in Christ's triumphal procession, <laughs> or better yet, As another translation reads, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. What do you do when you win the championship? What do you do when you're the champion? You go on a victory parade. And what does every parade need? A grand marshal. You know the person that comes in first after the color guard and then there's somebody riding in a convertible and waving and they're the leader of the parade. They're leading it out. Folks, today, we need a grand marshal, and we have one, and his name is Jesus Christ. And what does every grand marshal need? They need a sweet ride. If they're going to lead the victory parade, we better have one, and it's Easter. So I thought, we need a victory parade. We need a sweet ride, and because it's Easter, Jesus gets pastels for his convertible. And Jesus invited, that is a Carmen Ghia right there from a few years ago, made in 2014. That's not true. Jesus is inviting you this morning just like that picture that was painted by Sarah in a half an hour. Praise God for that. Look at that. (laughs) Jesus says to you this morning, want to go for a ride? You want, to, you, you want to go for the ride of your life? And I'm not just talking about driving a convertible down the road. I'm talking about getting in line in the front in the victory parade because Jesus is already up here. He's in here. He's been leading the victory parade for hundreds and thousands of years, and now, really, he's just waiting for you. Up where the grand marshal sits. Man, you think, you think you've got something going on in your life. Jesus says, whatever it is, I got a spot for you right here, right next to me in the victory parade. Whatever's going on in your life because here's the reality this morning of whatever you feel about this. When Jesus died, you died with him. Your old self, your story can end at the cross and a new story can start today. When he died, you died. When he rose, you rose. When he got up, you get up. From whatever story you're living in today and because he's victorious, you can live in victory from now and forever in his victory parade next to him. Amen? That's the invitation today. A couple months ago, my wife and I were at this benefit, this made me think of this, for Riverside Bible Camp, and it was a fundraiser, and they were selling different items and experiences. And one of the experiences was you get a Ford Mustang convertible for the weekend. And you can take it wherever you want and pop a wheelie and do donuts in your high school parking lot, and you can do whatever you want in it for three days. So let the bidding begin. $50, $100, $200, $300, $500, $675 sold, and you get it for three whole days. Oh, right? You think that's a long time. Jesus looks at you this morning and says, you can sit right next to me in a victory parade forever, for eternity, for the rest of your life. And the cost, the price... It's free because that price was paid 2,000 years ago on a cross. This is the offer of the ride of your lifetime. Jesus says, I'll take your sin, I'll take your guilt, I'll take your shame, I'll take your past, I'll take your mistakes, I'll take your failures, and in exchange, I'm going to give you eternal life now and forever. The ride of a lifetime. Come ride with me, Jesus says, in my victory parade. And the reason I'm getting out is because some of you have gotten out. You got distracted over the years, and you could go your entire adult life just kicking the tires of the thing, saying, wow, that's great, Jesus. That's awesome. I heard a really good Easter sermon once. It was really inspirational. That was awesome. And I heard about Jesus, but I'm just, I'm not so sure about his church. And you're just going to kind of admire it and kick the tires and look around. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you can't get Jesus without getting his church. Jesus calls us, his church, his bride, because he died for it, because he laid down his life for it. And, husbands, as much as you love your bride coming down the aisle, Jesus says, I love my church, and you can't have Jesus and not get the church. They're a package deal, they come together, Jesus says. So, number one this morning, clarify the win. Know the one who is the victor this morning. And number two, get connected with his church. Come for a ride with us, not because we're perfect because you were created for community. You were created to serve. Come get in the car and experience it for what it was meant to go for a ride. Come and be a part of a church community, not once or twice a year. Jesus' heart for you is not to be a womb or a tumor. It's to be an every weeker, an every dayer. Because he's as close to you this morning as the breath that's filling up your lungs right now. Come get connected with this church. Not once a year, but every single week. Come serve with us. Every single week we reach out to over 125 people that are living in shelters and living on the street here in Des Moines. And we say, who doesn't have a church home? They don't. And we welcome them not as a project or homeless people, but as a part of our family. On Thursday nights we bring in over 30 kids that are right up here in the neighborhood that are coming from really difficult homes. 90% 90% of them don't know their dads and they can't remember the last time they had a meal. And so they come in and we feed them physically and then we tell them about Jesus, the most important thing we could give to them. A couple of weeks ago, right where you're sitting was filled up by grain and soy and we packaged over 50,000 meals to be sent to people that are literally starving all over the world. Praise God for that. And I get it. Some of you think this is all boring and irrelevant. Ask the guy that came off the street last week that I shook his hand at the end of the service, and he says, I can't remember the last time that I felt this loved. You tell him that the church is boring and irrelevant. How about the little girl that came in this last week that she hadn't ate all day? She hadn't seen her parents all day. She's never known her dad. You tell her that this church is boring or irrelevant. You tell the family in West Africa that those meals are getting sent off to that now they have a meal for a week because they've got these packages from Des Moines, Iowa. You tell them that the church is boring, irrelevant. Stop kicking the tires and get in the ride. Jesus said, let's go. Let's ride. I'm inviting you this morning. Don't miss it. These are the days. This is the day, the day of your salvation. Jesus, the victor, is standing in front of you this morning. Get connected with him in a relationship forever. Don't forget the story. Amen.